1: Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash
0: What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com.
2: Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott. I'm
3: Ben. We are joined today by our super producers, Noel, nicknamed to be announced Brown and Dylan, uh, to, to BD Fagan. <laughs> because we forgot Scott, we forgot to give him a nickname in our previous episode.
2: Oh, we did, didn't we?
3: So I'm going to go with, uh, Dylan Red Market Fagan. I like it. Okay.
2: Good enough. All right. We've, we've, we got square for that last one. Well, we're caught up now. We're caught up yeah, now. Well, we'll see if we fall behind again at the end of this one. But and, uh, there's lots of potential in this one.
3: Yeah, because speaking of catching up, this is the return of something we like to do every once in a
2: while. Yeah, yeah. this one's a nuts and bolts episode. And sometimes we rely a little bit more on stories. Sometimes it's... Uh, um, focused on listener mail I think this one's got just a little bit of both I mean not a lot of listener mail in this one I've been trying to answer quite a mm-hmm. bit of listener mail yeah. over the last uh, couple months But and I see you uh, I,
3: I want to say that I'm sorry I haven't helped
2: <laughs> no you, you have helped you help all the time
3: with stuff like that <laughs> I mean that. like I will occasionally write
2: to someone in a, a one word reply if I think something's super cool well and I, I'm not talking so much with that with the replies but I'm saying uh, I will often come to you in the office and say hey what do you think of this or did uh, you know did we forget to include that or you know we, we, talk, we have discussions about what they write in about and then I reply with the the, uh, the message comes from me I'm the mouthpiece I guess but uh.
3: but you're in on it Oh, I'm like a puppet master? And the power behind the email <laughs> thing.
2: I think you are, yeah. You that's like the, really cool, man. The, the power man.
3: behind the show. I'll, wow. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, I te- technically speaking, on almost every level, that's our super producer team. But I appreciate it. Uh, we Uh I've got some listener mail, too, but we also have... Some stories and maybe some topical things.
2: Yeah, there's a few things, like some some uh, interesting things that have happened recently that I want to cover, and I'm yeah. going to save one. I've got one put off to the side here. I'm touching it right now. It's on the side here. Okay, tapping it. It's going to uh, it's going to be a surprise, I think, for you and and I think for most of our listeners, if not all oh. of our listeners.
3: So listen along. We're going to be we're going to be hitting several topics here, and Scott, if I may. Uh, I would like to I, I would like to kick off the first thing now please begin all right thank you. So recently uh, your commute changed in a very unenviable oh no uncool way
2: yeah, this wasn't
3: the thing you were saving was it? No no that's okay not it. so as you may have heard ladies and gentlemen, uh, in our neck of the woods here in Atlanta, Georgia, Gosh, how many days ago was it? This was on
2: Thursday of last week, so uh, let's call it four days.
3: Okay, so on Thursday of the previous week from which we record this now, a part of a very important interstate here in the city, within the city limits, uh, collapsed. Yeah. Like, it, it looked as though someone had cut a piece of sheet cake out of like a flat piece of, uh, of sheet cake out of a pan.
2: Yeah, it's not a jagged break on this thing. It's no. a very distinct, like, here's, you know, right at the pillar and right at the pillar on the other side. The uh, The result of this, and it was a fire, by the way, that brought this thing down. It's a long... Well, sustained fire underneath right. the bridge yes. that caused this to happen. Uh, it caused the uh, the steel and the concrete and everything to. I've read a little bit about the science of, uh, behind why this happened. Sure, uh, steel reinforced concrete concrete can hold higher temperature than steel can, and eventually, when it gets to a certain point, temperature wise, it's almost as if the steel within there doesn't even exist anymore. It's like it's just it's like butter. It's like soft yeah. butter.
3: And uh, also, the some officials or city groups were storing a bunch of construction material under there in a way that was against code.
2: Yeah, some type of plastic piping or something, and right. that was fueling this fire for a considerable amount of time. On Friday, it was i um, I'm sorry, it was a Thursday night, but yeah. uh, th- this fire was just belching this black smoke everywhere, and the flames were above the above the road, above you know above the uh, right. surface. It's an elevated bridge, of course, above another road below it, mm-hmm. and the flames were so high they were going around the, the bridge sides while people are still driving over it. At some point early on, yeah. before they got it blocked off unbelievable there's video there's uh, there's audio of this happening it's crazy see it this is at the it.
3: tail end of atlanta's rush hour yeah. and somehow as far as we know no one was injured.
2: Yeah, no one injured which is or killed. Or amazing,
3: or and speaks very highly to uh, the local emergency responders.
2: Yeah, and it's incredible that they were not underneath that bridge fighting that fire when it when it came down. I think they uh, they were smart enough to get out. They knew, or they could read the signs of what was happening and, and evacuated. But uh, just it was a crazy. Commute home. I, I nearly. That's the way I go to and from work every day. Mm-hmm. And already, sometimes I think I've, I've mentioned this probably too many times, but my commute is anywhere from an hour and a half to two and a half hours. Depends on the traffic and condition, you know, weather sure. conditions, etc.
3: If you have to pull over to give someone the business, yeah,
2: CPR, <laughs> whatever you know, <laughs> smash right. smash in a window, yeah, whatever I have to do, right? I mean, so but I but I take that bridge that that uh, that highway system right there. I take that home, uh, well, to and from work, I guess. And mm-hmm. so I'm on there twice a day. 700 feet of this bridge is going to have to come down and be reconstructed. It's going to take several months. 200,000 cars a day travel over that. I've seen numbers a little higher, like 250,000 cars a day make their way across that bridge. So that means that all of the um, ancillary roads, the smaller roads off to the side, the high, there's three yeah. other highways, but the smaller roads are what's going to re- really take the, the brunt of this. So all those people are going to have to find... A new route to work or to school or whatever home, for months and months they say it's not a quick fix. It's not something that just drop in and it's repaired. This is going to take a long, long time. And and already and we're only four days into this. Yeah. And, it, and right now it's got this added complication that it's spring break uh, here in in the state at least, anyways, of this region. So a couple of things. You know, a lot of people are trying to get through Atlanta, and you need that that that's a critical part of of the Atlanta uh, highway system. But also um, it's, it's giving us, like, you know, reduced rush hour traffic in the morning and in the evenings because, you know, schools aren't in, right. people are taking the week off, you know, traveling down With south or whatever. Cool so stuff. we don't really have an idea of what it's going to be like. Next Monday, when everybody's trying to get to school and work, it's going to be a lot different. That's the true test of this whole thing. Oh but, yeah, but it's a crazy scenario. I mean, I don't think I've ever heard of anything like this ever happening before. Yeah. I mean, they take down bridges intentionally. You mm-hmm. know, they reroute people. But this was like this happened over the span of about forty five minutes. Well, and, uh, yeah, and it just left a really strange feeling around here for this whole weekend. And I know people are still trying to figure things out. And that's the
3: that's another thing that's a really important point. Uh, Although we are not used to this, this, is not the kind of thing people expect, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we do know that statistically, things like this are bound to happen because the public infrastructure, and, and roads are, for the most part, part of public infrastructure at some level, the public infrastructure in many regions and in many states here is
2: in dire need of assistance yeah, you know and, and don't get me wrong i mean i know i know bridges come down in major cities of course but yeah. this city this city is so we we talk about this all the time in this podcast you, you know i think our audience knows that that it's a crowded crowded city already yeah. And this is just going to amplify everything so you know what's going to happen because this is a, a seven million you know pop, the population in atlanta is around seven million right now crazy number of people trying to get into and out of the city every day Mm -hmm. it's really going to be interesting to see what happens and and not only that this is like a um this is a funnel point i guess for everybody from you know the entire what would you call it? i guess the eastern seaboard Uh comes through this city in order to get down to florida or down to um maybe even down to alabama or louisiana places like that you know you pass through atlanta at some point so um uh, just an interesting situation. I know it's very local for us, but but it's interesting to see the way that they're going to handle this. Or it will be interesting to see what happens. You know, Scott. It makes me wonder.
3: Are um, this might be the last time we see each other in person, man. <laughs> we might That's just right. have to record online. That <laughs> may be. Yeah, I might have to set up a home studio or something. Yeah, that'd be an
2: interesting idea. You I mean. might
3: have to travel the the wilds of atlanta on like a camel or something to make a trek into town maybe i get a pilot's license and i could land on the roof here that is so cool yeah, yeah. the roof's big enough sure you could build your own helicopter
2: remember we talked about that oh that crazy guy yeah i've seen him around recently Again, is, he by the way. Around? is he still around he's still alive <laughs>
3: Which, he uh, has it wrecked that uh, thing? No, yet?
2: but similar <laughs> maneuvers were happening. You know, the uh, the circling over an intersection thing. Which Why? Is what cr- is he filming? Something? I don't know what that guy is doing. It's a homemade helicopter. Is he close enough to hear you if you it, shout? You know what? No, because the the contraption oh, the that he's built yeah. is so loud, and it's it's cra- It's a crazy device. It's this this thing is bizarre to see. But um, yeah, he's still behaving in the same manner uh, with his homemade helicopter over our city, which is weird. <sighs> That is weird. Yeah, yeah, weird. He's really putting some people in peril, I think, on I the ground. D- I do have
3: one point about this <laughs> okay. uh, before we move on. Yeah. So Beijing retrofitted a bridge. Have you seen this video? Hmm. Beijing retrofitted a bridge um, in 43 hours. What? Mm-hmm. Wow. And they brought it... – okay, so what they did is they took apart the old structures – and that took a few hours. Then they brought an entire piece of concrete to bridge the gap and paved it over. And to build the bridge, they used over uh, 1,300 tons of new surfacing material, and that saved months of commotion and traffic woes. They called it a new integrated replacement method. 43 hours that's yeah. it Yeah, I'm going to send uh, the video to you and I'm also going to post it on Twitter
2: so that anybody's interested can check this out that is impressive because we're talking about months and months here in this situation oh yeah so, we um, next year that's <laughs> yeah, crazy uh, alright well, you want to move on to something else now absolutely alright let's, uh, let's go through these a little bit faster um, oh by the way th- you know something else that happened this week it's another uh, news item um, well actually this happened right at the very end of March so yeah maybe a, a couple weeks ago this is this has to do with the Monster Jam World Finals Freestyle Championship, and this is held in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh huh. A driver did a planned front flip, and it was planned. It wasn't. It was something that just happened by accident because it has the uh, the the appearance that maybe it just happened by accident. But did, it, it was they planned. landed. He landed it. Yes, he did, and it was uh, it, the crowd went crazy. I mean, you can see this online, and, and um, I think it was Josh Baker that sent this to us on Facebook that I first was alerted to this, and and. It's pretty remarkable. The driver is a guy by the name of Leo Donnell, and the truck is the VP Racing, uh, Racing Fuels Mad Scientist truck. So it, it looks kind of, well, they all look kind of cool. You know, they've got the fiberglass body work and all that stuff. Um, but what a cool thing. So they have this, uh, this, this freestyle championship part of the Monster Jam that, you know, allows them to, I don't know if it's three minutes or what the time frame is really, but it allows them to just go out and kind of do everything that they want on the, uh. on the open field there. It's kind of like, it's like playtime for monster trucks, right? Mm. <laughs> That's maybe the best way That's to go. So they do all kinds of crazy stuff, right? Like they're doing of course doing a lot of backflips and jumps and um you know you know, ending up on one wheel and riding across the, the the floor. It's amazing to watch, really. It's incredible. Um but this uh this of course put him right to the top of the leaderboard and ended up winning the event for that night. But um it, this is is really cool. So you need to you need to watch this in order to get an appreciation of what's going on. And technically this is not the first ever flip that ever happened. There, there's one that was set up to happen yeah. back in 2015 with a special ramp and everything, and Guinness was there to record it as the first ever. And it, and it actually happened, but due to a technicality, it wasn't counted as a first as the first front flip because I think there was something like he landed on the rear wheels, but the guy ended up on uh, ended up on all four wheels. That's like making the jump, but right. or making the flip. But for whatever technicality reason that uh, you know the Guinness people didn't accept it as the first ever flip. But again, that's more of a stage thing. This was this was done kind of by surprise. You know, the, the crowd wasn't expecting it to happen uh, when it did. But again, you, you just have to see it in order to believe it. Again, that's Leo O'Donnell in the Mad Scientist uh, VP Fuels that's Monster awesome. Truck. Yeah, check it out and. It, it's one of those things that you want to watch in slow motion, maybe even a couple of times, just to kind of grasp what's going on there. But it's it's really mar- remarkable. Andy lived. <laughs> oh, oh, good. That's always <laughs> well. You know, when you look at it, you think like, oh, that's a lot of punishment for that driver. It would
3: be great to get inside one of those things. Oh, it sure would. I have a uh, a very brief listener mail. Okay, Let's and hear it. I think you're really going to enjoy this one. Oh, I hope so. Rob F writes to us on Twitter to say, "Hey Car Stuff, watched your Amazon video for Rally North America and loved it." Oh, very good. Wait for it. Oh no. Totally not swaggerjacking.
2: We were just lost. Oh, ah, I know exactly who this is. <laughs> hey, I want to let me come clean here. If you're carefully listening to that, I always I, at the end I think I said like hey, that guy's pretty cool actually. I, I remember talking to this person. Yeah, yeah. During <laughs> the rally, there was uh, there was no animosity. We there talked was no, to Rob. Of course. Yeah, that's right. There was there was nothing. There was no bad blood there. We were just yeah. having fun for the video. But it, uh, but I know exactly who this is. It was a great time. If you
3: watch the video, um, we're in that video. We are pretty happy yeah. overall. That we saw another uh, another rally car because every time we saw another rally car,
2: we're like, "All right, can't be that wrong." Yeah, well, we knew Rob was on the right track, so you know we were on the right track, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It was a it was a fun time, and uh, that that video is I uh, I don't know. It's it's something that uh, I'm really proud of that video. Really, I mean, I think it, it turned out really well, and we had such fun doing that rally. Um, I think that comes across in the in the. Uh, well, it was frustrating at times, sure, and I think that comes across in the video as well. But uh, Rob, we. were – <laughs> <laughs> we were we weren't in any way angry with you don't don't take it that way it's just uh having a little fun with the the edit i guess
3: yeah and i think at some point our uh editing
2: team fell in love with the
3: phrase swagger checking
2: yeah i think they did <laughs> and, and and i'm glad i'm so glad that if you watch the video at the end where we both i think it was you and i were saying like how, how cool rob is actually
3: yeah yeah well everybody at the rally was really cool with us um you can check that video out for free on Amazon. If you have Amazon Prime, they'll show it to you without commercials, but if you go for free at the link, you can find on our Twitter, our Facebook, um, everywhere. Yeah, it's all over the place. It's all, it's, the internet is lousy with this thing now. Yeah. You can, uh, you can watch it with, uh, some brief commercials, but do weigh in if you're feeling, uh, if you're feeling charitable, you know, uh, feel free to give us a, uh, a rating on Amazon. Or tell your friends, or share the link. Uh, every time you do one of those three things, um, our daily beatings here at work are uh, about three minutes shorter. <laughs>
2: that's right. yes. Yeah, so be kind, please. Be kind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's right. I think we're gonna say something like, every time uh, you do that, um, a rally car gets a decal. Something like that. Wolf. You know, like an angel gets its wings. That kind of thing. Do I need <laughs> to explain this? Yeah. Okay. A rally car. How about a rally car? (laughs) Never mind. through it. No, I'm done. I'm I'm done with it. We'll just leave it at that. But you know what? Speaking of of commercials, maybe we should take a uh, moment for a, a short break of our own. Agreed.
0: You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.
1: If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian
4: We're gonna talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're gonna go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're gonna be talking with some of my best friends.
1: I didn't know we were gonna gonna go there on this.
4: a really good cry with Radhi Dvlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: And we're back. You uh, you mentioned earlier at the top that we should um, we should step through things quickly. Yeah. Sorry it took so long with the I-85 collapse.
2: I'm just very interested in what you have to think, ladies and gentlemen. And dramatic video. So check it out yes. and, and realize like what we, were, uh, what we were up against there last Thursday in traffic in Atlanta, which is already hell. Cool. All right. So I've got one thing that I want to mention. This I guess maybe it's a, a Stuff Scott Sees. All right. So here's what I saw the other day. And I, I had to look carefully at this to, to understand what was going on. But from a long way away, um, I saw a big jet. And I saw a smaller vehicle flying right next to it. And I thought, well, okay, this is a military escort of some, uh, you know, maybe it's a, um, um, who knows, maybe it's Air Force One. Maybe it's, uh, you know, the mm-hmm. vice president coming into town or something like yeah. that. Didn't know what was going on. So I, I watched it for a while. And as I got closer and closer, I realized that's a that's a passenger jet. It was just, you know, like one that, I don't know, maybe Delta or somebody would own, right, a, a jet yeah. like that. And the, the vehicle that's flying near it wasn't a military jet. It wasn't an escort. It was just like a regular pr- uh, prop plane. A small prop plane, and I thought, well, that's weird. What you know? What am I seeing here? Why would yeah. they be doing that? And then it kind of dawned on me. You know, how when you're you know on a plane and you're watching their safety videos and all that, and you see kind of like the beauty shots, the B-roll of a plane or jet in the air, that's that's probably what they were oh, doing. Oh yeah. If not testing, they might have been you know filming something outside. Uh, you know, while they're testing or a test flight of some kind, but I, I thought my initial thought was that this is a uh, again like a military escort of some kind, but it wasn't. And the the um, the possibility that they're doing like a photo shoot or you know just kind of beauty B-roll type shots, I guess, for that airline, that had to have been what it was. I would assume that's what it was, anyways. I mean, it just it just had that feel and that look, but I've never seen that really from the ground, anyways, or. Or from anywhere, really. They could have been filming for a, a movie. Uh, you know what? It could have been, because we have a huge movie industry down here, yeah. so uh, th- that's a possibility. Uh, we've got air, uh, aircraft manufacturers that are down here. We've got military bases that are down here. Maybe there's something going on with that. I, um, anyways, I just thought it was strange. I don't know if it was testing and observation, or if it was, uh, you know, again, just something that's more PR-focused. Did you hear uh,
3: what the common portmanteau is now? No. Yollywood.
2: Yollywood. Like the word "y'all" plus Hollywood. Really? Yeah. Oh, Yollywood. Okay, I got it. Hmm. I wonder if we're gonna get a sign that says that up yeah. in the up yeah, in the mountains somewhere. Super
3: impressed with that, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> Very <laughs> well. Is wow. it not? Is that
2: is that pun not up to your? Uh, no, that, a, I'm impressed. That's a, what, what if what uh, if what if we get that up in the uh, up in the hills somewhere like you know fifty foot letters Yollywood all about it? Yeah. You
3: know? Have
2: the local teens go there to raise raise some heck? You know, I th- I think I just read something about the Hollywood sign that said that um, it wasn't necessarily a nod to uh, you know Hollywood like the industry and you know, like the uh, the film industry. I think it was something that was erected by a guy that was trying to sell real estate up in the Hollywood Hills at the time, and he wanted <laughs> to draw attention to that area or to himself. I don't I don't remember exactly the story, but uh, again, it was like a real estate developer that uh, that came up with that idea kind of promote the idea that you know you can you can live up in these in this area it's remote at this time uh but it's possible don't
3: you want to live by a sign yeah. signs were a very big deal back then <laughs>
2: well i mean it was a it was a um uh, an attention grabber i mean no one had ever seen anything like that for sure yeah. and it
3: became iconic maybe that's the key man maybe you just have to create your own prestige uh, it could be maybe you should get a big sign and a hill near you that just says scott
2: mm, i don't think i'll be doing that
3: but you'll have the back of, like, every other Scott that sees it will have your back.
2: Oh, yeah. So uh, what's that market? Like, maybe a half of 1% of uh, everywhere, the whole world? I wonder how many people are named Scott in the world. I just feel like this is a very can't-do attitude. i right out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of shooting down your ideas here. But, um, well, okay, what if what, what if what if there's Ben in lights somewhere around town here? All about it. Is that right? Yeah, and yep. also
3: Ben is... a. Uh, uh, a series of letters that occurs in uh, a lot of things. So you know, do I do I feel a little bit of um, unnecessary smugness when I drive by a Benigan's? You betcha. <laughs> I even hold like my hand over. I close one eye and hold my hand over so I just see the bin part.
2: Oh yeah, it's nothing. Uh, nothing a little bit psychotic about that. Hey, um, you know what? I'm now, now, on. now I'm a little bit upset that I have to go to Benigan's today. Thanks a lot. You're I've welcome. got that thought put in my head. Hey, send me a picture. I hear they've got a deal on apps.
3: <laughs> this podcast is, by the way, not brought to you by Benegins. Hey,
2: you know what? I've got another, uh, moving on. Let's moving move on. on. Yeah, moving on. I've moving got another on. little bit of, uh, I don't know if you'd call it listener mail, but it's, uh, it's from Facebook. I guess it's listener mail, right? Yeah, yeah. It's about course. a podcast episode that we had, and, um, it's from a guy named, well, his name's right out there on our page, so I'll just say it. It's Bill Ness. Mm. And Bill wrote in and said, uh, this is regarding our Borg Ward episode. So he says, uh, Today, I heard your show on the Borg Ward, which I'd never heard of before today, which we hadn't really heard of until we started researching it, really. Right. Uh, but he says, just out of coincidence, Restoration Garages had an episode on the Velocity Channel that was about a 1959 Isabella Coupe on the very same day that our podcast released. Wow. So isn't that strange? What, that is, what a weird uh, thing. And yeah. he, he said, you know, that reminded me of, you know, your Bader-Meinhof phenomena thing that you had mentioned all the time. That, that happens, but it happened right then, like the very It was an instant I think it's, it, we even talked about that during that episode, right? Yeah, we yeah. did. So uh, there it is, instant uh, instant results for Bill. Thanks for writing in, Bill. I had no idea that was uh, going on air. That was just a complete coincidence on our part. Didn't, uh, That's super planned. cool. Or was yeah. it? It was. It was. It totally was. <laughs> and going back to another uh, another piece of listener mail, this is an email that we received. I'm going to read a little bit more of this because it's, uh, it's pretty interesting. Um, first of all, it's a correction. It comes from a guy named uh, from Gary G., and Gary G. is listening to us in Germany. And he has a correction on our episode that was about, uh you remember the one that was about cars and trucks that you'll still crave 10 years from now? Yes. I think that was back in late February of this year that we recorded that episode. And he says, uh, well, I'll just read his note here. Hi, Ben and Scott. I've been a longtime listener and usually really enjoy most of the topics you bring up. Uh, especially with some of the historically oriented episodes on famous cars, racing people, things like that. Like Smokey Eunuch, that was one of his favorite things. Well, thanks, uh, by the way, Gary. We appreciate that. Uh, but he says being a GM and muscle car fan was something of a history. He has, And he mentions over the last 16 years he's had a 98 Camaro with a V6, a 79 Camaro with a V8, a Formula Firehawk from 2000, and he currently has a 99 Trans Am. Uh, so a uh, firehawk version. Nice. Um, so he's seen a lot of these uh, these General Motors products, and he has a, a particular interest in uh, the f body stuff, you know, the Camaro and the Firebird, and you know all that other stuff that goes along with it. So he liked the episode, but he said we did get a couple of things wrong. and one thing uh, that he that he mentions, and i I checked this out, he's right. Um, he says, you got the motor wrong on the Corvette Grand Sport. It has the LT1 motor, not the LT4 motor. The LT4 is the supercharge engine that's used in the Camaro ZL1 and the Corvette Z06. Uh, well, all the lower models, and that's in parentheses, are in quotes, rather, the lower models of both V8 Camaro and the Corvette use the LT1 motor. So he's right. I mean, I listened to it again. But the thing is, I look back at the article that we were following along with, and I think it was, I don't know if it was Blog or who it was that had written that, um, but they had uh, inadvertently put in there that the LT4 was the motor of choice in the in the uh, gr- the Grand Sport. So I went to the Chevy site and verified that it is the LT1 that comes in the Grand Sport. Thank so, you for the
3: correction, Gary.
2: Yeah, very nice. Very good catch. Good catch. We appreciate it. And um another interesting little note about that engine, or about what what uh, General Motors is doing now, because we've talked before about how they'll put the same engine in different products and they'll uh, downgrade it. They'll say well it's the same engine that's in the Camaro and the Corvette but the Corvette for some reason has 5 horsepower more you know that's kind of like they're playing this uh, this game where um you know that's like the top dog right and mm-hmm. and the other one gets rated a little bit less and it's done it's simply on paper it's not changed in any way uh so that he says that they're not really doing that anymore so he says you know contrary to earlier models like the LS1 era you know like 97 and up GM has opted to not artificially reduce the horsepower output of the motor, or underrated in the Camaro. So the horsepower rating is identical for both cars. Of course, with the vet's lower curb weight, uh, the performance is slightly better. So I understand that, but it's interesting they're not doing that. Uh, you know that um, uh, down. What's call it called? Uh, down or underrating? I guess maybe. Right, yeah. Um, So interesting there. And he also mentions this. Now, this is the the last thing I'll mention from his email here, but um, he says, as for the transmission, I get the feeling that neither of you have driven the A8 or the A10. That means the automatic a 8-speed uh, or automatic 10-speed. Um, I have driven an 8-speed. It's in my in my wife's vehicle, but um, not the General Motors version of that. I, I'll have to admit that I haven't driven the General Motors version of that. He says, well, I personally do prefer the manual transmission. Uh, oh, by the way, he's got a, a Camaro 50 that's on the way to him. He's, he's ordered it already. Um, he says that uh, GM does have a pretty decent automatic transmission in both the A8 and the new a 10 a test drive of an A8-equipped 2017 SS did not, uh, he, I guess he did not notice much of any gear hunting in that in that test drive. Now, he hasn't driven the A10 and doesn't know how that's going to be, but, um, uh, you know, whether or not you're even in automatic mode, you know, there's different modes you can put this in. Um, you know, you can put it in sport or track or, you know, uh, various other modes, but um, in those modes it's going to be more performance-oriented and, and quicker shifting, of course, but uh, if you're in a 10-speed version of that and... You know let's say the top three are more like overdrive gearing, you know so that you know it might hunt around a little bit, but it's supposed to be less noticeable, Ooh. but again, we don't have any experience in the g m eight or ten uh ten speed automatics you're right uh to be fair, I've only driven uh the Chrysler version of that so or jeep version so uh yeah um and other vehicles, I guess we've done some test driving stuff recently uh with vehicles that had pretty fancy automatic transmissions, and you can feel some of that gear hunting happening and i can feel it in my own car which is a six-speed automatic mm-hmm. uh, from volkswagen and uh, it just seems like a, well we discussed it in that episode that it just seems like um it's constantly searching for a better gear constantly yeah yeah that's no need to over describe it here that's i guess the feedback yeah <laughs> it was nice well thanks for the, the for oh. the note gary i appreciate it and you know we're always open to corrections and i'll look into them and you know if it's something valid sure we'll read it on air as always, yeah, you're the most
3: important part of the show. Thank you for keeping us honest. Uh, the best suggestions for upcoming episodes come from you. Speaking of you, uh, not the general you, but you, Michael A. specifically, you wrote to us via email and said, could you do a podcast on the origins of automobile badging? What was the first badge? Where did the bow tie come from? How did Mercedes come up with their symbol? If you look at older cars, you don't see a badge. You see the company name. How do car companies make the transition? Thanks, Mike. Here's the thing, Mike. Scott and I have actually looked into the history of some of this stuff, and it is such a rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. You would be very surprised at how quickly those very clear and articulate questions, which we have also asked, become murky
2: you know throughout the years as we've done this podcast we've tried to focus in on you know what makes those badges unique or what they stand for uh as we talk about certain makes or marks or you know specific um models even um you know with uh with numbering and you know the, the new numbering and lettering that they do the kind of that alphabet soup version of uh, what a car is named now yeah. uh, we've talked about all that and we have talked about the, the badges you know like what they symbolize so like you know mercedes with the you know, land, sea, and air. You know, for the three points of the star, that type of thing. That that comes up during the episode, but we haven't compiled it all into one concise episode. You know, I haven't. It's, right. it's not down to one badging episode. And, and again, you're right, Ben. That's a uh, that's a huge rabbit hole because there are thousands of these. We usually find,
3: as you said, Scott. We usually find the best information about badging. We're really digging into the story of a specific car manufacturer. Mm-hmm. I would love to. Have a comprehensive badging episode. It's just going to take some um, some elbow grease on our part. Yeah, some
2: serious digging. Yeah, I really for would. Sure. Yeah, but uh, but it would be a good idea. So that's a, that's a fun one, and uh, maybe we can get to that one in the future. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, I hope so. Hey, you know what? Um, maybe we should take another break for a word from our sponsor right here.
3: Hey, that was a great call, Scott. You know, you've been you've been killing it with this. Uh, just a little peek behind the curtain here. Uh, oftentimes, we know that we want to take a break for a sponsor, but I will get a carry away, or, you know, sometimes it'll be either of us will get carried away about something that we find really fascinating. And then our poor editor Dylan, whom we still owe a nickname to, uh will come back and wonder
2: where he's supposed to do it i know big trouble when that happens you know he puts the smackdown on us really yeah
3: i i was thinking of a nickname over the commercial break would you like to hear it was it smackdown no but that's great <laughs> <laughs> all right what was it uh dylan steely dan fagan oh i
2: like it steely dan yeah
3: yeah he Who was doesn't actually, like steely Dan?
2: uh he's a big steely dan fan is he I think I so. No idea. Well, that would explain the jean jacket that he wears. You know, Steely Dan embroidered across the back.
3: Right. Yeah. I didn't know what that was for, yeah. but now I get it. And those uh, those five those four finger rings that he's always for the that, that say Steely Dan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: sure. <laughs> oh man. Okay. All right. I think we've taken that one far enough. Let's get back into uh, listener yeah. mail. How about listener mail? I've got a good one here. All right, yeah. All right, this Let's comes from Lister, this comes from a a time listener, someone that we've been uh, you know writing back and forth with uh, for many many years, several years. His name is Richard Rosso, and Richard writes in. Hey, well, Richard, just to you know remind you a little bit here, Ben, of who this is. I'm sure you remember. He's uh, he's a guy that was in originally, I think, he was in the tire business, if I remember correctly, and then he became a limo limo driver. He's a chauffeur. So, yeah. he sends us photos from out west all the time. He's, he's constantly all over the place out there. You know, in, in Vegas or Reno or, um, you know, I, I on the west coast, the far extreme west coast, he's, he's driving kind of crazy, um, limousines, you know, buses sometimes or just stretch limos that are made, you know, out of hot rods, all kinds of interesting things. So, yeah. Richard's an interesting guy. I like, I like, uh, writing back and forth with him. Uh, but <laughs> he writes in this, this note and I think, You'll get the gist of this, that he's writing about the old days. He, Richard's uh, not a youngster. He's an older guy, but he writes in kind of like reminiscing about the old days in this yeah. in this, uh, this email. Yeah. So there's a few things here, and some of this I agree with. Some of this um, I may argue back just a little bit, and I'll tell you why. It's not to be mean or anything, but I, mean, I, I think that there are some kids that still can appreciate some of the stuff that he's talking about here. So he starts out with saying, kids will never know the joy of driving. <laughs> i don't know about that but i i see where he's going here because he said when i was a kid there was no power steering no power brakes we had crank windows and i think uh, the optional extras were things like heaters and radios and outside mirrors uh you know he says i think in some cars only the left one was available so i'm I'm, <laughs> I'm not even sure if backup lights were an option or not available but i I think they always were we always had reverse lights at least memorable recent history anyways um he says power windows were not available, air conditioners were not available, uh, there was a clock maybe. And uh, sometimes, he says, you know, of course, at a point there weren't even automatic transmissions. They weren't even invented at this point. So i, I maybe give you an insight into uh, Richard's age here. But he says when clocks did become available, mine never worked. And <laughs> He says his father never had a radio because it would drain the battery. And later, he wouldn't have electric windows because it was one more thing to go wrong in the car. And I totally understand that. That's something we've said about yeah. uh, some of these crazier options, too. So, you know, even way back then, Richard's dad was concerned about, you know, just power windows going wrong. So why not, you know, just stick with the hand cranks? They work, right? Um, mm-hmm. And he talks about a lot of things here. I'm not going to read this whole thing, but he talks about, you know, double clutching and pump. Oh, here's a good one. Pumping the accelerator to, to get gas in the carburetor and then having to pull the choke all the way out and hoping you don't flood the car. He says, I don't even think you can flood a car nowadays. And he's right. You can't. You can't flood a uh um a, a, a um a fuel injected engine like you could the old carbureted ones with the manual choke inside. Brilliant. So I I totally get that. I understand. Uh, he's talking about like um vacuum powered windshield wipers and oh cup holders. That's a funny one. Cup holders. So they weren't even invented yet. You if you had wanted to have a drink in the car, you either had to put it between your own legs while you're driving or you had to hold it you know hand it to your friend to hold while you're driving. Um and which <laughs> either way is kind of a trustful yeah I <laughs> I guess so. Uh, but it was, it was funny. I mean, th- this whole thing is funny. He's talking about starters on the floor and dimmer switches on the floor and horn rings. Um, anyways, just a, it's a funny, uh, list here. He's got two or three pages of this stuff. So, really good memories of back, uh, back during the old days. But then, he gets to the end here and this is where there's a little bit of a twist. Um, now Richard writes in often and he tells me that his brother is a, uh, is a Tesla owner and he's been to the Tesla factory and he has, uh, taken the tour of the Tesla factory, I think maybe even a couple of times. But he says, I just bought a car, and I don't think it's a Tesla, but maybe. He says, I just bought a car that is not only smarter than me and could tell where I wanted it to take me, but will also give me turn by turn instructions when I'm getting while I'm going there. I can set cruise control and the car will not let me get too close to the car in front of me. I don't have air conditioning or a heater as much as I have a climate control system with, you know, the multi zones and all that oh, stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um but he says if I have an accident, the car is gonna call for help for me. I don't even have to do that. And then he ends with this. I don't think the good old days were really the good old days at all. So, like, now that he's got all this new technology, like, he, he started out by saying kids won't know the joy of driving and all the, uh you know, the difficult stuff that you had to do. But then he ends with, I don't think the good old days were really the good old days at all because he he's on board with the modern technology. <laughs> so it's a little bit of a contradiction, but I get what Richard's saying. I, I totally understand it. Um He says, I just wanted to think about the old days, and, you know, it's not that, uh you know, that they were, uh, you know, any way better, really. It's just that... um maybe seeing the light, I guess, that, you know, technology helps in a lot of ways.
3: Technology absolutely does. You know, it's weird. I've been having some conversations with people about nostalgia. Yeah. And looking into some of the research about nostalgia. And one thing that's fascinating about it is... We tend to remember more our emotional state or the feeling that we had, mm-hmm. rather than the stuff that wasn't great about
2: it. Yeah, because there's a lot of bad things that go along with that. But you only pick and choose what you want to remember from that era. Memory is a crazy thing. So uh, nostalgia is incredibly powerful. I mean, it wants you. It, it, it draws you back in, but then at the same time, you forget everything else around it that happened around the the good memories that you have that were you know the, the bad things, and it's it's. It, sometimes I mean, it can bring people to tears nostalgia yeah. can. it really can if you sit and think about you know the way things used to be and you want them to be that way uh you can you can get a little choked up but then you realize like well maybe it wasn't all that great because i didn't have this and that that i do now um or whatever the case may be but richard we thank you for writing in again we appreciate it and uh, hope this uh hope this keeps you uh keeps your name out there on the internet and gets you the street cred that you were looking for because he mentioned that he wants the uh, the street cred that us mentioning uh, him on our podcast provides him is a shout out to you, sir. <laughs> shout out to Richard. So he's world famous again.
3: Yes. Uh, if you are, if you're hanging out with your buddies right now, we'll we'll speak on your behalf. Uh, Richard's a pretty big deal, you guys. Absolutely. So act accordingly. Thank you, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Oh, uh, we've got another email here, okay. uh, listener mail, uh, from Michael N. And Michael N., c-mail is titled. The Cincinnati Exit. Oh. Okay. Michael N writes to us with an email titled Cincinnati Exit. Dear Ben and Scott, first off, thanks for the consistently great shows. I really enjoyed your first nuts and bolts episode of twenty seventeen. Glad you say that, man, because you're on this one. Here we are again. <laughs> Here we are again. I especially enjoy hearing about the regional things people do. I wanted to offer an addition to your list. I refer to it as the Cincinnati Exit. Sorry, I'm I don't have a clever alliteration for it as I came up with the name a few years ago. When doing highway driving anywhere within 30 or so miles of Cincinnati, most cars seem to exit the highway from the farthest left lane possible at as high of a speed as possible. Take a second to process that. It does not make sense. I have no idea why so many people drive this way. It's horrifically dangerous, causes traffic to be significantly worse than it should be, but it also seems to be the norm. It's as though everybody is in an endless race against every other car on the road. I live about 30 miles north of the city, and on a typical commute from work downtown to my home, I'll witness no less than two cars do this per exit. Whoa. That's not a typo. I really do mean... He's writing this. I really do mean two cars per exit.
2: Per exit? uh, Well, that really amps it up, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, wow.
3: And uh, he also says, I just wrapped up the 10 cars and trucks you'll still crave in uh, 10 years episode. It was mentioned that the list was restricted to cars and trucks under 100K because anything over that mark is arguably a work of art. The 2017 Corvette Grand Sport is, beyond any shadow of a doubt, a work of art for considerably less than 100K. It might be the most beautiful car ever made. you just started some fights there, Michael. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That being said, it was disappointing to not hear the 2017 Mazda Miata RF on the list. If you have a pulse, this thing should be your bag of carrots. My local Mazda dealer has one in their showroom right now. I took it for a test drive, fell in love. Handling is unparalleled. It performs much stronger than specs uh, suggest. The six-speed manual is sublime. Let's pretend the automatic doesn't exist, he says. Mm-hmm. All for just over 30 k Should I ever find myself with 30 k burning a hole in my pocket, not holding my breath, there is no question that would go toward picking up a Miata RF.
2: Hmm. Thanks, Mike. Nice pick. And also, I like that he brought back Bag of Carrots.
3: I do, yeah. I like that, too. Um, I was thinking about this, Mike. Um, and I don't want to get your tradition. First off, the Cincinnati exit sounds uh Pretty terrifying. Yeah, it sounds horrific. What if you called it the Cincinnati curve?
2: I like Cincinnati exit better. Yeah. Yeah. I do too. I, th- I think I like that. You know what to stop at? Spike strips. <laughs> you know? <laughs> or some like a like a like a real abrupt curb. You know, like for the and I know you can't do that though, but um if there was like a a physical penalty that they paid you know when they went over that like for you know it would damage your your vehicle a lot less people would do that it's just so weird thinking of that as a norm but you know what i guess there's always going to be a place though ahead of that exit where you know like it's your last second to get in on that exit and there's somebody who's always going to be diving for that so no matter what you do in that uh what do they call it the the, the place in between they call it' called the gore i think uh mm. where you know the um the, the two lanes kind of uh, separate there? Oh, yeah, yeah, So like yeah. the triangle piece of material that's left there on the interstate? Like yeah. that, That's called the Gore, I think. And uh, if you were to, uh, you know, in some way make a curb or a wall or whatever in that area, people, again, are just going to assume that they've got, you know, they're going to back the, uh, the point where they want to enter that, that ramp up another 100 feet or whatever you extend it to. So it's always going to happen. You know, someone's always going to be in that last-minute position to dive in in front of you. But, man, that's very frequent to every exit. That's that's unbelievable. Every I mean, exit. Wow. 30 miles. Makes you want to stay away from Cincinnati, doesn't it? I mean, at least on the highway. This, I like Cincinnati.
3: This podcast is brought to you by the Cincinnati Tourism Board.
2: <laughs> no, no, I don't mean that. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I've actually gone through Cincinnati and stopped there many times. I, oh, Kings Island is in Cincinnati, or it's near Cincinnati. You ever been to Kings Island? I yeah. have not. It's an incredible park. Isn't Kings Island more a state of mind? <laughs> Maybe.
3: That's yeah. just what I say when I haven't <laughs> I, been somewhere.
2: Is that that's a Jimmy Buffett song?
3: Kings Island is a state of I, mind. I think it is, yeah. That sounds like something he yeah. would write. Is there any food
2: related <laughs> verse in there? No. no, I don't think so. <laughs> it does sound like a. Okay, anyways. Moving on. Uh, moving on. And you know what? I'm going to, uh, remember I said that I have one that here that I, I wanted to save some time for. So yeah. I'm going to, uh, go through this next one quickly. And, and this one, the one that I'm about to bring up is probably better off, uh, you know, people reading this at home and, and kind of grasping what's going on here. It's not a, it's not a happy story, Ben. I'll tell you that up front. It's something that happened in the neck of the woods where I lived in Michigan, where, mm-hmm. uh, right around there. My mom still lives there. It's in this, the same township, in Bloomfield Township on Square Lake Road. A horrific accident happened not long ago this is beginning of, of March killed a, uh, a mother of three it was uh in a late not even late when he, I think it was around 9 p.m when this happened it oh, was wow. um, um, a two-car wreck uh, she was traveling on Square Lake Road at a speed of about 54 miles per hour the driver of a Maserati Ghibli you know so the uh, I think it's like the lowest end maserati that you can get you know but it's still still Maserati right was traveling on the same road at get this Ben. 144 miles an hour when he rear-ended her car. 144. He was he was going 144 miles an hour, rear-ends the car of this woman who's traveling at 54 miles an hour. It kills her. He lives. His car's on fire. You know, the, it just destroys her car. Of course, just sad, sad, sad situation. I mean, a mother of three killed this guy. Of course, he had, well, not of course, but he had been out drinking that night. He had just been turned down by his fiance. He had taken a ring over to her house and you know proposed, and she turned him down because I think they were broken up. But there's some some weird story that goes along with this whole thing. Yeah. There's so many strange details. This guy gets out of the car and is is laughing as he's walking around his burning car, and he's worried about, like, where his cell phone is and stuff like that. He was acting really in a bizarre manner. Oh, wow. But, and, and here, you know, this poor woman, he's just killed, you know, going, but at the speed, 144 miles an hour, and lived. I've never heard of this happening. I was wondering if, you know, it's one of those situations where, because he was drunk, he was, you know, limp, you know, loose, limber, I guess. You know, they didn't oh. tense up at that moment. Um but the reason uh, the way that they pieced all this together, you know, the whole event of the evening is like, you know, one through cell phone service because he was on the phone when it happened. So he's talking to his ex-girlfriend and he's re- listing off the speeds that he's going like he's taunting her like, well, we'll see how this evening goes. I'm going 90, 100, 110, 120, and he's counting up. And then he dropped his phone when he got to about 150. And that's when this accident happened. And they rec- they recreated this also with the um, the black box recorder that's in the uh, the Maserati. So they know that his impact was uh, it, um, happened at 144 miles per hour. And when you look at the car, I mean, the Maserati, the damage doesn't look like what it should for 144 miles an hour. Now no, I know that the other car was was traveling at. Fifty-four. So the the to, rim's not even bent on that front it, right it, tire. It, it's amazing. I don't know how he survived this wreck. It's incredible. So again, there's a lot, uh, a lot of details that that I'm missing here in this story. That you know they're in the story. I just don't have time to really, uh, you know, bring the whole thing to you. But what a bizarre tale and, and tragic, of course. But I, I just have never heard of anything like that. So that's a ninety mile per hour closure rate on this on this vehicle. That that again, I just don't understand how this happened. The physics behind this are just beyond me, really. Yeah. Um, Never heard of anything like that at that high speed. Okay, do you have one more thing, or do you want me to jump right into my... uh... I think we should jump right in. Okay. Now, I teased this early, early on. Sorry, I've been doing a lot of talking in this podcast. hope you've uh, been able to get across what you wanted to, Ben.
3: Oh, absolutely. Oh, okay.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I hope so. Anyways, Um, this is something that... uh, I I hope I didn't oversell this one because I, I would bet that a lot of our listeners have never heard of this. But did you know that in 1929 the entire Los Angeles Auto Show went up in flames? The entire thing burnt, I was not aware. Burned every vehicle on the lot. There was and now. This is back in the day when they would hold the LA Auto Show in tents. Now I'm going to show you some photos, and uh, our listeners can go online and look up photos of this. If you look up 1929 Los Angeles Auto Show. You will find some photographs and Ben I'm going to show you this. The top photo there is the tents that these things were held in. Now if you if you can picture this, they were like the old uh circus tents of you know yeah. long ago that multiple were multiple stories enormous high. tents. I mean just huge, huge yeah. tents and there are four of them in a row. And they've got this big grand entrance that looks like more of a permanent thing that was built there, but it's not, it's temporary. Uh where it says, you know, auto show or something like that. Welcome Um, to the blah, 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 blah. Exactly. But there were 300 cars on display. You know, of course, all the manufacturers had their product there. Again, it's 1929, right before the Depression. And uh, some remarkable vehicles there. I I don't have a list of um, exactly, you know, the the, the specialty vehicles that were there, but there were some, I remember, some that had some history already at that point even, you know, the early, early cars. Uh, But what happened, or at least what they thought had happened, was that somebody, um, I think they thought initially that um, someone who was smoking a cigarette and had ignited this fire. Ooh. Later, it was reported because that's one of the initial reports. Later, it was reported that um, it was an electrical short that happened in an area of the uh, the tent that was for a manufacturer called Monocoop. Now, that is a builder of a something called the Mono aircraft out of Moline, Indiana or um, Illinois, rather. So, how strange is that too that they've got an aircraft uh, manufacturer there on site? But so this electrical short or whatever was blamed for it. Now you can imagine how quickly a tent like that probably yeah. went up in smoke or up in flames. Mm-hmm. There are photographs. The one below it there is afterwards with all you know lines of burned out cars. Every car was completely lost. They didn't get anything out. But the good news is no one died during this uh, during this fire. There was something like this will give you an idea of the size of the tents too. Twenty five hundred people were inside at the time when this went, when this happened That's when this ignited insane. and they all. Got out without panic. They all were able to find an exit and get out. But if you look at the um, the photographs of you know where this uh, or what what happened after this, you know the crowds mm-hmm. gathered all around the thing. Of course, it's still smoldering, and you can see just row after row after row of burned out cars from that era. You know they were brand new in 1929. You would think that you know that would be it. That'd be the end of the show. Nothing else would happen, right? It's right. A, it's a disaster. And by the way, you know relatively. You know, it's a lesser-known thing. Not, not a lot of people have heard of this. I, I would bet that most of our audience had never heard of this until just now. I I didn't know that it had happened until I came across it in like a This Day in History type thing because it happened on uh, March 5th in 1929. So, you know, it was a recent news item. Um, the very next day, this is how they bounced back. The very next day, they opened the L.A. Auto Show down at a place called the Shrine Auditorium Expo Hall, and take a look at this, Ben. I'm showing you a photo of the uh, the March 6th Shrine Exhibition. Whoa. To that's me, that's a better fantasy. choice. Yeah. That's a beautiful place. It's got chandeliers hanging from, uh, you know, it looks like three stories up. There are cars on multiple levels. It's, uh, you know, um, what do they call that when they they have, like, um, uh, the velvet on the balconies, you know, of the, of the place? Um, there's a term for that. I'm probably going to bunting yeah maybe bunting that might be it but um it's it's kind of an overdone type thing it's a very victorian look almost yeah. for this for this it's, uh, opulent it's very that's a perfect word ben it's very opulent the way that they uh, that set this up and by the way just one day later so what a comeback but again there's some fascinating photos from this 1929 los angeles auto show and if you look online you can find some extremely high-res photographs where you can zoom in and and I mean, you can get incredible detail on some of these. A lot of them were just towed next door. There was a this. This is just coincidence. Right next door, behind a, a barrier wall, there's a place called A1 Auto Works, and they were kind of an, an automotive salvage place. And so they tore down a fence that was between where the tents were and the salvage place was, and they just dragged them across the lot over into the salvage lot, and that was it. They're just done. Um, they, they have, there's photos of you know people standing around evaluating and you know figuring out what they've lost in there um I'm sure a lot of manufacturers were there. It probably spelled you know doomsday for a lot of these early on manufacturers you know if right. that's that's their entire product right there it's like they were trying to sell their one and only car at this show and and now it's gone their prototype
3: we have to remember that in these days um just like the early days of soda, there were many more competitors in the field, so Literally thousands. Literally thousands, and many of these were very, very small, almost cottage level operations. Mm -hmm. You know, they might have had one or two cars to show off. And that may have been the extent of their production. They doubled down because they were hoping to make some close some deals. Yeah.
2: Now, can you imagine if you had lost everything in this LA Auto Show fire? I mean, what what hor- you know, just horrible luck uh, for that to happen to some people. Now, the bigger manufacturers, of course, uh, a little more resilient. They were able to send new product almost immediately when they heard what happened, and that's why they were able to open the show on the uh, on the. the t- the following day, on March sixth of nineteen twenty-nine, at the at the Shrine Auditorium. But um, again, these photographs are definitely worth looking at. And it's eighty-eight years ago, um, so anybody that was around at that time would have been very, very young uh, to see this actually happen. So yeah. uh, the people that you know probably have the most interesting stories about it. You know, the uh, the older folks that were there, you know, working or um, you know were in attendance of the show, you know, that were you know, I guess old enough to remember what had happened, uh, probably gone. But mm-hmm. um, there's still some. Decent write-ups about it. There's not a lot of information, but uh, there's some, a few photographs and um, just an interesting bit of history. I thought that uh, you know, I had never realized this had happened until just this week. It's crazy, man. That's crazy. It's it's insane. I didn't know about this
3: either. Just the the scale of the tragedy, but I, I guess well,
2: it's a catastrophe. That did not become a tragedy because yes. everyone was okay. It was a mechanical catastrophe, I guess if you want to put it that mechanical tragedy, crazy insane. It also <laughs> insane crazy. It also makes me wonder uh, how
3: on earth board track racers didn't come away with more grievous injuries.
2: <laughs> you know, <laughs> check out our yeah.
3: episode on board track racing.
2: Yeah, and there's a lot of uh, head scratchers, I guess, in, from that era, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like what what were they thinking? Putting I guess that's just the way you did it, though. I mean, it's good enough for the circus. Nothing's really gone wrong there yet, right? (laughs) Uh, No, I don't know. What year was that? 1929? There had to have been some circus tragedies at that point. Oh, sure. Circus tents, it seemed like they were always catching on fire. Or an elephant was going insane due to mistreatment or something. Rogue elephants all over the place. Rogue elephants. Not the case here, and they blamed it on an electrical short, but uh, Mm. just glad everybody got out. All 2,500 people with no panic. Conspiracy theory. What if it was a rogue elephant? <laughs>
3: yeah. It was just covered up by big circus. A oh, big circus, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> <laughs> well at that at that point when we talk about our conspiracy theories concerning uh, arson enthusiast elephants. Uh, that that sounds like the point where we should sew up the show. So we want to thank you very much, Josh, Rob, Bill, Gary, Mike, Richard, Michael. Everybody else who wrote in, uh, we never get done with everything in these episodes, no. but but we will we will be back. In the meantime, you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram,
2: and now Amazon. That's right, we've got our Road Rally video, right? So you can uh, you can check that out. And if you have a Prime subscription, you can watch it for free. If you don't have an Amazon Prime subscription, you can still watch it for free, but you have to watch it with commercials. That's the only caveat. Mm -hmm. But it's still worth watching, in my opinion. Yeah, in my opinion it is.
3: None of those commercials are from the Cincinnati Tourism Board.
2: Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. We can't really say that. They Uh, might be... I would think Rob would still want you to watch this, too.
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So this concludes our episode, but not our show entire. Uh, We will be back the very next week. In the meantime, if you'd like to hear more Car Stuff, you can check out every single audio podcast we have ever done on our website, carstuffshow.com, and they are free. Also free. Also free. And most importantly, some of the best suggestions and topics come from listeners just like you. So if you would like to write to us with some thoughts on anything your fellow listeners said today, any of the um, speculations surrounding bridge collapses, or if you have an idea for an upcoming topic you'd like to hear us cover in the future, you can write to us directly. We are
2: CarStuff at HowStuffWorks.com.
0: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack